Good morning! Our gospel is read today from the fourth chapter of Matthew, beginning at verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was, the, was by the lake at the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what had been said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the, Galilee of the, of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light, and on whose living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And Jesus went all throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to uh, pray with me, uh, our prayer that uh, invokes the Holy Spirit in our time of meditation together today. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful Grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. You've probably heard me say this many times before, but I have to continually be reminding myself that uh, these sermons that I present, they are always sermons for me too. Okay? Because I need these, I need this gospel, I need these words from Jesus as much as you do. So I'm, I'm not only preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. One of the thoughts that keeps reverberating in my head this week is that phrase by Martin Luther, who, it was, it was actually displayed up on our uh, screens here on Reformation Sunday. And I believe the quote was something like this. Martin Luther, sa Martin Luther said, I remind the people in church every week Okay, so if you have a problem with me repeating things, then so be it. All right? But Martin Luther said, I remind people every week in church that they are saved by grace through faith through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the reason why I do it is because we keep on forgetting. Somehow, most days in our lives, we get in the way. Boy, am I guilty of that. I, I, I get in the way of myself all the time. Our egos get in the way, and we keep on lying to ourselves, and we keep telling ourselves that we are in control. Part of the reason why I'm reminded of this phrase, it has to do with this message that Jesus preached and he taught throughout his life. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, I'm not sure. We're, we live in the 21st century. 
And the word repent or the word repentance is not a word or an idea. It's not part of our everyday vernacular lives. Yeah, it's spoken in churches once in a while. And yet I think that it is one of the things that should be first and foremost in our minds each and every day, even though it is not. And I'm going to quote some words from Reverend Brian Stoffrigan. Um, he's one of my fellow pastoral colleagues out there who um, I consider to be a, a fairly solid scholar. He's a Lutheran pastor. Then, not, you know, I have to trust a Lutheran pastor, or at least I trust most of them. And he kind of does, he does a nice, what I call, deep dive into the Greek language. And he has some helpful words. Uh, he's helpful in my study of the New Testament, and especially getting into that deep dive into the Greek. And one of the things that I appreciate about him is that he actually does it in words and terms that I can understand. And if I can understand it, I, I think everybody here can understand it too. One of the things that he writes, he says that repentance, repentance properly understood, is an I can't. Repentance is an I cannot experience rather than I can experience. He says, if repentance is promising God, I can do better, Lord. How many times have we caught ourselves saying that? How many times have you found yourself standing before the presence of God and saying, I can do better, Lord? He says, if repentance is promising God, I can do better, then we are trying to keep ourselves in control of our lives. So when was the last time you started making promises to God? And who are you trying to fool? I'm talking to myself now too. I'm asking myself that. Because I, 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 I think that there's not one single promise that I have made to God that I haven't broken. Who am I trying to fool? Who are you trying to fool by promising God that you can do better. And as far as I know, the only, the only one who has the ability to make the promise and to keep the promise in this relationship between me and Jesus and you and Jesus, the only one that has the ability and capabilities of keeping the promise is Jesus. And Jesus does that every single day of our life. When he says to you, and to me, I am Emmanuel. I am God with you and me. And I will always be with you, no matter what. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked off of the quote. Let me, let me. He says, repentance properly understood is I can't experience rather than I can. If repentance is promising God, I can do better than you're trying to keep ourselves in control of our lives. And then he goes on and he says, if we can do better... If we can do better, we don't need a gracious God. We only need a patient one who will wait long enough for us to actually do better. But when we come before God confessing, now that's another word that is not real common in our 21st century vernacular. It's not a part of the common language of most people, this whole idea of confessing. But when we come before God confessing that I cannot do better, then what we are doing is that we are dying to self. 
We are giving up control of our lives and we are throwing our sinful lives on the mercy of God and we are inviting God to do what we cannot do ourselves. And that is, we are inviting God to raise us from the dead and to change and to recreate us. I mean, isn't that what it means? Isn't that what it means when we remind ourselves every day that I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, that we're saying, I can't save myself, Lord. Only you can save me. And let me tell you a truth about myself. I am dead. I am dead in sin most days. Because if it was up to me, I'd be failing all the time. You see, I made a little mistake last night. (laughs) I made a little mistake, so sorry, five o'clockers. You got the wrong message last night. Last night I said, I'm, I'm dead. I am dead to sin. Well, yeah, that is true. But I forgot to tell them up front that I'm also, but first and foremost, I'm dead in sin. But the reason why I'm dead to sin is because of what Jesus Christ does for me every day. Because it's only Jesus who makes it possible to raise me up from that dead in sinness and make it possible for me to actually be dead to sin. And when I hear those words that I am a baptized child of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit, and that I'm marked with the cross of Christ forever, I am reminded that God is raising me up again today to help me make it possible for me to die to self and to be open to that transformational recreative power of God to live in his love and his grace in this world. The other, the other very interesting thing about this instruction from Jesus, which I, I, I sometimes wonder, do we, do we hear Jesus' words as being instructional? When Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, is, is, is that instructional for us? Just something to think about. Oh, he's teaching us something. But when we, this, this instruction from Jesus, it is a present tense word, which means that when Jesus says repent, it means keep on repenting. Keep on repenting. It's not just a one and done action. That what Jesus is saying, you repent every single day. Every single day you say, in true repentance, you say, Lord, I can't do it. Pastor Brian, who I just quoted a few moments ago, he says, repentance is the ongoing life cycle of the people of the kingdom. I like that. Repentance is the ongoing lifestyle of the people in the kingdom. What do you think? When you hear Jesus say, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, what do you hear? Is that instruction for your life of faith? A daily instruction, an ongoing action to admit to Jesus every day that I can't do better. I need you to help me today to die to self so that I can be affected, that I can be moved by your love, that I can be affected and that I can be moved by your grace, that I can be affected by and moved by your mercy and by your creative power to change and recreate me today in your image 
The other hopeful message that I learned about these words from Jesus, from these instructions from Jesus, is the promise that the kingdom of heaven that came near to us in the person of Jesus Christ, that his coming is not a one-and-done deal. The promise in this statement and instruction from Jesus that the kingdom of God is coming near, it's, again, when you look at the Greek, it's kind of one of those hard phrases to interpret, and it's one of those hard phrases to actually really get the full and complete meaning, but it has two connotations. Not only does the kingdom of God come near to us in Jesus Christ, but it keeps on coming, and it's still coming, and it doesn't stop coming. You know, Pastor Al is on to something. He says that Jesus is always out in front of us. And you know, we prayed that at our, at our prayer of the day. I forgot my prayer of the day over there. But anyway, in the 8 o'clock service, one of the things that we prayed in our prayer of the day was is that Jesus is always before us. The promise in this statement and instruction from Jesus is that the kingdom is still coming. That's another way of saying that the kingdom that Jesus brought into the world through him being in the world, that kingdom is still with us and it is still alive in our lives. And we have kingdom opportunities every single day of our lives. We have kingdom moments where we see God. We have kingdom moments where when dying to self, we are being raised up from being dead in sin and we are living in the midst of God's love and grace and mercy that Jesus is out in front of us making those kingdom moments possible I'm going to touch on one other thing briefly another one of the themes in this passage today and that is that this is a call story Jesus said follow me and I will make you fishers of people well the plain and simple truth is that metaphor Jesus making us fishers of people, it doesn't really work for a lot of folks. Because you see, there's a lot of folks out there that kind of think about the whole idea of fishing, and they're kind of like, like, oh, geez, that's like, you know, throwing out this lure, throwing out this hook, and it's really sharp, and it, you know, anybody ever been poked by a fishing needle, by a fish hook? It's not a fun experience to be hooked by a fish hook, you know? It's really painful. But it was who they were. It was who, it was, the, 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 it was contextual. Jesus was speaking to fishermen. What better way to speak to fishermen than to say, I'm going to make you fish, I'm going to help you fish for people. You know, everything's contextual. Your life is contextual. You know, what, what is the metaphor that works for you? Do some playing around in your mind with that one today. The more important thing is, is to hear and to realize is that when these men, when they were first called, they didn't have the slightest idea. They didn't have any idea what this discipleship call was going to mean to them because they were just simple, ordinary, normal people who heard the voice of Jesus say, follow me. And it was a much deeper thing than they had ever imagined it to be. And I love what Barbara Brown Taylor, Barbara Brown Taylor is a theologian and a preacher, and I I love some some of her words. She writes about this. 
And she said they immediately follow Jesus because Jesus makes it possible for them to do so. Did you hear that? They follow Jesus immediately because Jesus makes it possible for them to do so. This is not a story about us. This is a story about God. And it's about God's ability not only to call us, but it is about God's ability to create us as people who are able to follow. This is still Barbara Brown Taylor. Able to follow because we cannot take our eyes off the one who calls us because he interests us more than anything else in our lives because he seems to know what we hunger for. You know, there are, there, I, I, I can really resonate with a couple of those thoughts. I connect with and I know that if it was up to me alone, I simply could not do it. That this is all about God. This is a story about God. And it's about God's ability not only to call me, but to also create in me a person who is able to follow. Because if it, like I said, if it was up to me, I couldn't do it. But it's because Jesus makes it possible to create in me a person who is able to follow. You know, Martin Luther had, had a, something similar about that, you know, when he said in this third article of the Creed, he says, I cannot by my own power or reason come to know or believe in Jesus Christ my Lord. But it's through the calling of the Holy Spirit that makes it possible for me to believe. Some of the same stuff. And secondly, I resonate with the words, God knows what I hunger for most. I want to ask you to think about that some today. Maybe not just today, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Ask yourself, what is it that you hunger for? I know one of the things that I hunger for the most is I, I, I hunger for the love and the mercy and the grace of God to invade this world because, wow, look at what we've done, folks. Look at what us human beings have done. We're really good at divisiveness. We're really good at war. We're really good at injustice. You know, we've, we've done a whole lot of things to mess up this place. We've done a whole lot of stuff to mess up our creation because of our greed and our desire for more. My greatest desire in this world is that the love and the mercy of grace and grace of God would invade this world. And it has, and it does, and it still is. And in the end, love will conquer all. All the things that we've done in the name of humankind, all of that will be overshadowed someday and conquered by love. And it already has through Jesus. And it will be. Four years ago, our chancel choir sang a song on this day. And I'm going to share the lyrics with you in just a moment. But as you ask Jesus, as you hear Jesus call you each and every day to follow, and he is doing that, Jesus is calling you each and every day to follow. And as Jesus creates in you anew each day, Jesus is the one who every day creates anew in you the ability to actually follow. May your response to him each day be these words that the chancel choir sang four years ago. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. 
If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, take my feet, take my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You see, Jesus calls ordinary, everyday people, just like you and me, right in our middle, right in our everyday, ordinary lives. And he calls us to follow. And because he makes it possible for us to follow him, that makes it possible for us to go and do the things in the name of Jesus. And he's doing that, and he's going to keep on doing it, and he's going to keep on doing it, and he's going to keep on doing it. Amen. I invite you to pray now the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy world be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go forth from this place refreshed and empowered to do the ministry to which God calls you. Travel lightly if you carry within you all that you need. Jesus is the one that makes it possible for you to follow today and every day. He empowers you and recreates and transforms you again today and tomorrow and the next day. And as you go out into this world, notice God's presence in simple, everyday experiences. And whenever opportunity arises, labor for the good of all. Be the presence of Jesus in the world. And may the blessing and the joy of God, our creator, healer, and life giver, go with you today and always. Amen. Amen.